cliffcentral.com. 360biz on cliffcentral.com. It is indeed 360biz.com. My name is Dabuhoma Fodi. Welcome to another exciting installment of 360biz. I'm not alone in studio. I'm with my boy Bulelani Bala Bala. And interesting enough that the weather is hot, other my brother. You're wearing a jacket. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, Fit. Well, <laughs> well, it was very cold in the morning And I'm not taking any chances with my health <laughs> As I've had a couple of health scares In the past uh, few days So I'm making sure That I'm properly um, Insulated and yeah, health scares. Insulated <laughs> And I see this lady, she's busy here With the makeup and I've got sinuses <coughs> I'm kidding man I'm happy to be on the show today uh, Good day to all of our listeners Thank you for joining us yet again On 360biz.com When did we add the .com part? When did we? We add the .com part We've always had the .com part Just because you don't say it doesn't mean we don't have or maybe it maybe I'm used to .co.za <laughs> Levels eh? No, 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 no. <laughs> With the .com it says that we, we're international That's why I mean with the show uh, I mean we've got a couple of people that are listening in, our, in a couple of African countries We've got a couple of people listening as well I mean in the States, in London and and you know what um, We're global like that my brother. Yeah, I mean I know of a few people in uh, East London um, Paris, Paris, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, we're touching all over Africa. We're all over the world. Join us. Join in on the conversation and join us today. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, definitely. So, what do we, what do we have on the show? I see you've got um, young gentlemen here um, in studio. I mean, are you? Do you want to give me money? No, actually, I'm searching for my charge. Oh, it's not okay. working. No, man. Um, you know, today on Cliff Central and our small business or rather small township uh, business opportunity segment, we've got two amazing guys. Um, you know, one of one of the gentlemen, I mean, uh, who's from Project X, particularly interesting name. I mean, um, they won a pitching competition at one of the township development initiatives um, called T. And I mean, you know, we thought, you know, since he won the pitch, maybe let's bring him on board just to, just to, just to shine some lights on the amazing work that they do. It's just that interestingly enough, his partner's not here and he doesn't have pictures. So what they do, actually, let me not spoil, sir. Just greet our listeners and then, uh, tell us what your name is and then tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, my name is Magnificent Gunene. I come from Ivory Park and what we actually do, uh, we do chairs using uh, uh, using uh, what you call tires that are not uh, been used, and we use bottles to make uh, uh, lights. That's what we actually do, me and my friend. Okay, you so said what do you do with tires? We we make chairs. Oh, okay. Yeah, we make chairs. So <coughs> you see, the thing is, he's not selling it. Um, as, 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 as amazing as it is, because what we did is that we utilized, when we went to the expo, the, 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 the small business expo, mm-hmm. we to you, the chairs that we had there, the tire on chairs. On your, on your stand. Those were manufactured by them, and the tire flower pots were manufactured by them. Mm. And I mean, we thought that, you know, it's pretty amazing work, you know, coming from guys in the township. Mm. And I mean. How much, how much do you sell the chair? Well, each chair, we, we sell it 400 rand for one chair. Four hundred? Yes. Oh, okay. But I'm sure you're gonna get this kind, right? Wait, 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 oh. wait, wait. Is it a hundred or four hundred? No, we are selling it four hundred trend. One hundred. Four. Four hundred. Yeah, okay, 400. thanks. Because the last time I the last time I met them, 
they had that chair going for I think ninety, eighty rands, and I told them, no, you can't because oh, I mean, so, it's, no, 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 it's but, very but that's the price I need to get it. No, you can't. Mm. Uh, you must see the stuff that yeah. they do. I mean, it's very artistic. It's, it's it's totally out of this world. I think that the biggest thing. I mean, I'd I'd like to know, and I know that they were also like to know. I mean, what inspired you guys to make these things? Of all the businesses you guys could have been in, why this one of recycling tires and creating lights out of glass bottles and all that stuff? No. The problem that we saw in the townships, people, they want to stay around being lazy or just drinking beer and then getting in a corner and saying, you can dream big, but whereas you are doing nothing, how can you say you are dreaming, but you are not knocking on those doors? So that's what we are trying to do. By doing this, we can be able to employ people in a township and improve some of the young people in our townships. That is why we are actually doing this. Hmm. Magnificent. Yeah, definitely. Um, Asanda Musa, I think you must, we must get us chairs, eh? But we, we must get us chairs. But we're not going to be paying 400 rands. For your office. Uh, they're yeah. amazing, dude. Is it? They're well, amazing. Yeah, maybe... If, Maybe yeah, I've, amazing, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've got a, a balcony at my house. Maybe I could use those chairs just to be chilling there, uh, buying meat. My brother? Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, uh, come close, my man. Don't be shy. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's just Tina, my friend. I'm a Jita, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, uh, my name is um, Zagaisa Mota. Uh, I specialize in uh, what you call itotet kota. Uh, it's not your normal kasikota. Okay. Yeah, basically, it's a toasted kota. Toasted gutter. Yeah. Can you describe this gutter for us? I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm sure I guess. Do you know what the toasted gutter is? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure you don't know. Do you know what the toasted gutter is? You see? Yeah. <laughs> you know. I know what the is. Oh. But not a toasted one, right? Yeah. So can you describe this gutter to us? Uh, it's basically uh, a quarter of a loaf, you know, toasted. Uh, I think pictures will speak louder than. What I'd actually say, you know. Mm. But that's no, but right now, this is radio, I mean, it's theater <laughs> of the mind. So you need to describe this quarter, you know, to, for somebody that is listening out yeah. there. I mean, you can show us pictures here in studio, we can see them, but somebody in London, yeah. um, they don't, oh, they don't see what you're talking about. Yeah. So can you describe this quarter? So it's a quarter of a loaf, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, inside it, uh, you put your fried chips. Okay. Uh, f- from the township, people who ask for your archer. You put your lettuce, your lettuce, depending on what you, if you're more into your healthy diet, type mm. of thing, you put your lettuce, uh, you put your burger, Russian, you know, depending on what you want, you know, but yeah. it's basically like that. It's a South African version of a burger. You know? mm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but did you come with a squatter, man? Uh, unfortunately, uh, you see? I'm, I'm from a workshop, so I couldn't, but, uh, I'll, 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 I'll give some to Bulelania. For, for for next time. Okay, yeah, I think Bulelani, let's make a rule, bro. We don't bring somebody in studio that deals with food without coming with their food. You know? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've I've brought in guys with food. They've came with their food. So let's. let's I've brought make, in guys with yeah. food as well. Woo hoo. Yeah. <laughs> so let it be a golden rule as well to <laughs> to the producers. We don't bring in somebody that deals with food that don't bring their food here. We must taste it and tell people about it. So, and are they going to doing pitches? What are they going to be doing? So, I think, I think one of the biggest things I wanted, um, him to shed light on is got a beautiful ideology with regards to 
ingwazi because it's not necessarily ikota as we are custom are accustomed to mm-hmm. but it's more i mean just share i mean because because that's one of the biggest things that really stood out for me the narration of how a pizza in italy is an everyday thing it's an everyday meal that you find in every other place but when you come to places like south africa and other parts of the world it's celebrated because it's a foreign dish mm-hmm. and that's what he believes just just share a little bit about that uh Okay, the, the first thing you must know about Ingwazi is, is beauty and art and the way we do it, right? Okay, maybe, maybe let's get this right. I mean, I know Ingwazi, the dance, <laughs> you know? So, this Ingwazi we're talking about, is it the dance, is it food, what is it? It's food. It's a toasted quarter. Okay. So, the, the noun for a toasted quarter is Ingwazi. Mm-hmm. So, uh, from seeing it, from seeing a beauty, uh, I realized, you know, this thing, doesn't deserve to be accessible only in the townships. It deserves to be known all over South Africa. You know, it's actually our pride and joy. You know, it's like uh, the thing, like for instance, with you, Bulelani. If uh, I'm in Soweto and I hear on radio the pride I feel with these guys from Mekas, that's what Ingwaz does to other people. You know, when you're from the suburb and go to the township and then you get uh, a quarter that's at that level, you feel like that pride, you know. So, I saw that, and then the purpose behind it, I think that's what dri- drives us to get into EPDC God, you know. Mm-hmm. Because really, when I was, uh, I left my actual job, my producer would actually make fun of me, dude, you're leaving a paying job for toasting God well, or baking chips. I was uh, an editor at the Red Paper. So, video editor? Yeah, I was editing my crazy shows uh, oh, okay. on your Red Paper. So, my producer would always make fun of me. But now, the purpose, you know. Uh, behind uh, a toasted quarter, right? Or good, uh, uh, the example I made, good, uh, with a uh, pizza in Italy, you find it in, at every second street. With beggars uh, in America, you find it the same thing. Every, I think everyone who grew up in America can actually make their own beggar, you know. So when it comes to South Africa, we have that culture, quarter, but no one wants to formalize and professionalize that business to the same level. Hmm. So what we do... You look at uh, a beggar through a lens uh, of foreign eyes, you know, and kind of like uh, not elevate it, but put it down there when it actually deserves to be on the same level as a beggar. As South Africans, I think we should be consuming more quarters than beggars, you know. We should be having mm. more quarter uh, places in your, in your suburbs and all that accessible to us than your actual beggars, you know, because that's our pride and joy. That's what every South African is used to. You can be here and eat beggar all you want, you know. But there's one thing, uh, like Vusi Tanjoa said, there's something a quarter does to your soul that uh, <laughs> a beggar wants, you know. So it's, it's, that, it's that type of thing that pushes us. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I'm interested to know. I mean, just give us, uh, take, take, us take, take, take us on a mental journey quickly before we, we move over. <clears throat> Where, what does Ingwazi look like? I mean, what does Ingwazi eatery look like in the next five years? <sighs> Uh, in the next five years, uh, the purpose, okay, the product is fine. The product is finished. Actually, I, I was in, almost in the process of writing an email to uh, Ustilo Natalian, who the founder of uh, your Chisanyam, mm. saying that uh, instead of having the bigger menu, they should actually have a quarter menu in their menu because it's a South African thing. And I strongly believe that if we put it to a challenge, which one will sell more between if we had Ingwaz and the beggar, it will actually be Ingwaz, you know. So, uh, 
that's one of 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 the, of the things that I believe would uh, a toasted quarter could do, you know. But it's, it's really really hard to, as I as I said, to explain it how it is. All you can do, uh, I, th- I think the the picture or seeing it, you know, we just explain everything. Yeah, but 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 uh, I've got. I'm so against what you just said. I'm sorry. Which one? How does he send an email and want to be going to a competitor? Um, that one has stolen the concept of Chesanyama, and you're taking the concept of Ikota too. Where else? I mean, what brings what business value is that bringing for you? You know, you need to be launching the menu, or you need to be launching the business to be giving him around for his money. When are you giving him? Uh, that's not really uh, how, how how I see it, right? Like, if someone has uh, done what I'm trying to do, where something was accessible only in the township, and they found a way to make it more accessible nationally, so they already know how the path on doing that, you know. So, uh, then you find out the path, <laughs> and you do it. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm doing right no, now. No, you're not doing that. <laughs> I mustn't send him an no, email. Because, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, you mustn't send him an email because I mean I think the, the, that's one of the things that captured me more than anything. Mm-hmm. That I mean the way I perceive a burger in, in almost every restaurant, there's a burger, and it's called. You know, it's it's food. I, I, it's food that I call for the bourgeoisie to a certain point because mm-hmm. it's not proudly South African food. Uh, I put it in that particular sense, and we are able to have enguas in New York, and you could be the guy who's spearheading that. Say enguas in China, enguas in Italy, where they are sitting in restaurants and they are eating this proudly South African delicacy, as opposed to amanina and tripe and trotters and all that stuff. So I think there's, there's so, huge potential. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if ever if ever for me, you were sending him, um, you know. The, the email wanting more information as to how you could go to the market. It's something else, but not what you're telling me. But anyway, um, I mean, I think we need to, 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 to move along to. Yeah. So how do people get a hold of you, sir, before? Uh, okay. Ingwaz is on your, your social uh, networks. We're on Facebook, Ngwazi in Chips, uh, Instagram, Ngwazi uh, underscore Kota, and then on Twitter is Ngwazi uh, Kota. Sure. How do we get a hold of you, magnificent? Yeah, you can get on uh, me on face on Facebook. It's called Exclusive Mobile Kawash. That is our page. That that is where we put our everything there. Exclusive Mobile Kawash. Yes, exclusive. Oh. And oh. and uh, I just wanted to add in one more thing. Mm. I just wanted to say I'm very grateful for for this day because I'm given a chance to rectify whatever I, I did yesterday, and. Uh, uh, we what we are doing, we we try to 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 like the back in the days there was this boy called David. David was a, a young boy. Nobody took him serious, but David took us the the biggest warrior. That that was a Goliath, mm. and then he won that battle. Yes. So we firmly believe that we will win this battle wow. by doing this. No, definitely. Uh, guys, thank you a lot for joining us. Um, and so good luck with uh, what you're doing. Looking forward to tasting the Ingwazi and looking forward to receiving my seats. For sure. Um, for sure. Then we'll definitely take it from there. We'll be back right after this. Whatever your term of endearment for your prize rod, four banger, four by, barge, beamer, beater, Benz, big rig, bike, breezer, chori, chopper, clanker, crotch rocket, genka, ghetto cruiser, hog, hobdi, hypermiler, jalopy, junker, combi, lambo, land barge, pimp mobile, pocket rocket, puzzle jumper, render rock scoot, shagging wagon, shitbox, sled, tank, warrant wagon, whoopee! 
There's only one place to visit if you're looking to buy a new vehicle. This is With simple navigation and over 62,000 cars to choose from, it's a no-brainer. Visit autotrader.co.za You are still tuned in to 360 Biz. If ever you've just joined in, you've missed the two young gentlemen that are doing innovative things. I know one is actually doing as a part of this discussion that we're having. It's actually innovative um, Goda, and that is called Ingwazi. Some of us know Ingwazi the dance, but there's people that are putting it in business now doing Goda's called Ingwazi. And more than anything, the gentleman as well that is making chairs, um, out of recyclable tires. So it's definitely something that is innovative. These are the winners, um, of the pitch, um, at the T, um, Township Entrepreneurship Alliance that Bulelani host, um, every month. I saw last month, um, he had our fellow Gareth Cliff. Um, on, 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 on the event. Uh, I'm sure it was a great success. But however, moving right along, we've got a lot of interesting things to talk about today on the show. I mean, there appears to be a serious lack of knowledge. I mean, regarding South African tender procedures and processes, thereby generally in South Africa. It's a general problem that we tend to have, especially with entrepreneurs or SMEs. The tender process is governed by various acts, regulations, and guidelines, uh, which are specifically designed to ensure that tender processes are in line, um, I mean, with the constitutional democracy, uh, democratic um, policy um, and pillars are most importantly fairness, equality, transparency, and competitiveness. I mean, effective and most importantly, inclusion of previously disadvantaged black businesses in the stream of line business. I mean, the debate um, is the Presidential Procurement Policy Framework Act um, that has not yielded transformation results as set out to achieve. And given the shortcomings, uh, the shortcomings of the act, I mean, it will be repelled, um, said the president, um, Jacob Zuma. But however, in studio, uh, we've got two guests um, that are definitely will be able to join us on the discussion. We're supposed to be having a dedicate um, from the BBC, but unfortunately, um, they're not going to be able to make it. But however, uh, we've got Andrew Molvam, um, I mean, who's a liquidation um, attorney and partner at Adams um, and Adams um, attorneys. We've got as well Miboni Molodzi, uh, who's the UJ Center of Small Business um, director, uh, let me take this opportunity to actually welcome them to studio, guys. Thank you for joining us right here on Three Sixty Thanks <laughs> thank very, you much. very much. No, definitely. Uh, maybe we, Bulena, are we starting with ladies first, or are we starting with Andrew? I see the ladies oozing so much. <laughs> no, no, definitely. I mean, let's let, let's take this opportunity, um, maybe, um, to you, ask me, Bonnie, um, to just say um, hi to our Cliff Central family. Um, tell us who you are and what is it that you do. Okay. Um, as you said, Miponi Mulutz is my name. I'm the director for the Center for Small Business Development at the University of Johannesburg. Um, what we do is mainly work with um, small businesses in the townships, mm-hmm. um, providing integrated uh, business development support services. And when I say integrated, I see how you hmm? <laughs> look on your face. Yeah, and the township one. If you're in the township, how come? Do you know Ausmi Point? No. <laughs> I don't know Ausmi Point. Because we're the activists of the small yes. business in the country. and I we've not worked with you. that too. So we have not met. So is it a problem with me or with all of us? Oh, no. <laughs> but good thing we met now. Say, yeah, definitely. Yes, we provide um, integrated business development services to SMEs, particularly in the townships. When mm-hmm. I say integrated, so um, I mean universities are known to provide just training. 
and you go, but our services um, are aimed at nurturing, you know, small businesses. So we are not only doing training, you know, we also provide technical skills training that relates to the business that somebody's doing. Um, we provide mentorship, you know, and within the mentorship programs, um, it's not just a meeting between a mentor and a mentee to talk about many other things, but we have um, put in place mechanisms to measure the impact of the mentorship in as far as access to finance and access to business development, I mean, access to opportunities, you know, are concerned, you know, including um, access to um, um to supplier development opportunities in the different, um, you know, companies, including government. So when we work with an enterprise, you know, for instance, we provide the whole, you know, um, service mm. to make sure that, you know, at the end of two years, you know, also they have a contract, they have funding, they are able to operationalize, you know, the business and make money. So that's what we do. We also host a series of, um, um, conferences and meetings, you know, where we motivate, um, township entrepreneurs. We bring in people who have made it, you know, um, in business to come and talk to them. Give them a protest. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> pressure. And we also host, <laughs> we also host the Dr. Richard Maponya annual, um, entrepreneurship Soweto conference, um, which actually will be happening in this month from the 25th to the 27th, you know, of this month. We bring in, you know, a whole lot of, uh, you know, people who have experience, we have opportunities, you know, to share with, you know, um, with us in the, you know, in the townships. So here's my quick question. Right back to the, the hot seat that you are in. So together we've got 26 years worth of entrepreneurship experience. We are the princes and the premiers and the governors for entrepreneurship, township entrepreneurship. Why have you not knocked on our doors? You need to. It's going to be worth your while. We've, we've got radio <laughs> shows that speak to entrepreneurs. We've got TV shows that speak to entrepreneurs. We've got events that speak to entrepreneurs. You know, as I said, I, so the problem is with both of us. Because we have not found each other. I've been 20 you. years in the business alone. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah, um, just, um, I just wanted to say something because we're talking about township entrepreneurship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we've also had programs that we have implemented in the rural areas. You know, we've had a big project, we've just concluded a big project in Pumalanga where we trained about 120 um, entrepreneurs and, you know, almost um, 40% of them now, um, they are in business. Some have gotten big um, opportunities with 10 million, 1.7 million per annum and all, you know, including financing. So not only are we operating at UJ, but we are also, you know, are able to extend our services outside you know, of the townships and outside of the university. Hmm. No, that's very interesting. I will come back to you. Hold the thought, Ausmipun. Let's come back to Andrew. Andrew, do you want to say hi to our Cliff, uh, Cliff Central family? Tell us who you are and what is that you do. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks very much for the opportunity to be on the show. Hello as well to your to your listeners. I'm a litigation attorney at Adams & Adams, and I specialized partially in, in litigation within the public law environment, and a large part of that concerns matters relating to public procurement, specifically tenders gone wrong. Is it? So uh, maybe, okay, maybe let, let, let's simplify this. Né? Um, maybe let's, before we go deep, let's understand what, what is litigation. 
because I know there's somebody um, that is listening out there, just knows there's lawyers. But the minute you say litigation, you throw them out. Litigation, pretty much in layman terms, refers to court processes to resolve disputes. Hmm. In tenders. So litigation can cover any type of dispute, mm-hmm. and tender disputes is one of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. So which one do you specialize in? So my practice consists of both public law-related matters, um, which includes procurement-related matters, tender disputes, but also handle your, your typical run-of-the-mill commercial dispute as well. Hmm. I'm sure you're charging amen and nail, right? <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> so no, definitely uh, limiting this opportunity to 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 welcome both of you guys, um, and uh, most importantly, I mean, as you know, that we we talking the the triple P, um, F, um, the triple P F A, um, obviously it's some of um, it's the main actually the, the main interesting discussion that we're having, um, Andrew, since obviously you're the last person that just spoke now, maybe let me come back to you. Um, to say, I mean, in, in regards to, um, the litigation processes that you guys are handling from both public and private, um, sector, um, do you, would you say we've got a lot now? Let's say in terms of balances, um, which cases are you handling the most? Is it from the public, um, aspect of things or is it the, from the private? Um, aspect um, of things Maybe you can even give us a, a, a split percentage Is it 60-40, is it 50-50, is it 30 Are you, are you asking in terms of By what, what percentage I'm instructed By private sector clients versus public sector clients yes. So I'm quite fortunate in that my, my practice is pretty much an even, even mix I act, I would say, 50% of the time For private sector clients Including businesses Which are challenging procurement decisions Which they feel were unlawful So that's tender awards Which were improperly granted And for the balance of the time I've, I've acted for, for organs of state State-owned companies In defending procurement decisions Where they've been challenged By disgruntled bidders Disgruntled bidders Yes. Um, can you elaborate there? When, so, when you mean, so, when you so, say disgruntled bidders? Of course, in any... No, but we're in business as well, my friend. I'm gonna, we, we, we need to know these things. I'm interested in yeah. that particularly because I relate to you a scenario that yeah. I experienced at a briefing. Mm. Sure. So, so many people aren't aware of the fact that when bidding on any particular state tender, there's a particular process which must be, must be followed by, by the arm of government in adjudicating and awarding that tender. And many in particular don't know that if there is an irregularity in that process which results in the tender being awarded to somebody other than the rightful winner, those bidders who were unsuccessful, the disgruntled bidder which I referred to earlier, has a right of recourse to take that, that tender award decision to court on review mm-hmm. and the court has the power to set aside that procurement decision and either refer it back to the adjudicator to take the decision again in a lawful manner and in exceptional circumstances the court may even itself substitute the decision of the arm of government by awarding the tender to the rightful bidder mm. what we both said hmm. you had that. <laughs> <laughs> no it's very it's very, it's very it's very interesting i mean it's very interesting because i think that you know as a as a as, as a growing enterprise um these are some of the challenges that we come across but i think that you know one has not really had uh, an avenue and i think to 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 a different perspective when you think litigation you think big monies mm-hmm. and i mean you think your cash flow as a as a as a growing enterprise you think 
you think about um, Andrew's salary and then you, you start fainting and you start hyperventilating. I think those are some of the things that breed all these misconceptions but about that. Because, I mean, I said... Not Andrew's salary only. Andrew Swag. Look at Andrew, bro. Look at yeah. Swag. That, 40, <laughs> that 68,000 68, rand suit. I remember that suit. It's just that you couldn't buy it because I couldn't fit. You see me, Mosfet. No, I'm kidding. No, man. Because, I mean, I attended a, a briefing session where this guy... Was, was disgruntled and I mean he pulled out his phone he took a picture of himself signing on the register and all this stuff because his, his plea his query on that day was we keep submitting but it keeps going to the same guys how is that possible and how is that so and I mean he was so upset on the day and I mean I think it gets to a point where um, I don't know if this fits into the conversation but you know where the same old, where we are told that there is a rotation, but you see the same old guys at the same briefing, but it still keeps going to the same old guys. Well, I mean, would, would, would that be, I mean, if I, if I feel disgruntled in that particular way, could I bring this matter onto you or does it have to be a flawed process where no register was taken in or whatever the case is? Yeah. So, so that's more or less it, but it's, it, it goes slightly deeper than that. One can't challenge a tender decision simply because you're dissatisfied with the outcome or the fact that you are always on the losing end and your competitor always seems to be winning the tenders. The reason he's winning them is more than likely because he's bidding in a competitive fashion. And I think this cuts to the chase to do with the, the issues around our preferential procurement legislation at the moment. It's obviously intended to benefit those who were previously disadvantaged and to try and ensure that a greater measure of, of state business and state expenditure goes towards those who are um, who fall into that category. Um, but where the current legislation probably falls short on that score is that under the 80-20 and the 90-10 principles, which, which we, I can explain in a moment, price is still king. And so what it basically means is that in tenders at present with a value of, of under a million rand, um, 20% of that score is determined according to one's preferential points, so your BEE status effectively. But 80% is determined according to your price. And in tenders above a million rand, 90% is determined according to price and only 10% according to your, your preferential status. And so what this means is that even if somebody scores comparatively poorly on his BEE score and he's not particularly transformed, provided he prices properly and more competitively than the rest, he can still win the tender. And so I think it's quite a, a, a general misconception with the public that you need to have a transformed business and BEE partners, etc., in order to get a share of government work. The manner in which our procurement legislation has been formulated actually means that provided you just outprice the market nine times out of ten, you're probably going to be the successful bidder. So now, I mean, um, Andrew, I mean, entities um, which in the past, I mean, have managed to win substantial tenders um, now with sending their triple B status uh, based uh, simply in account of the quality of their product or service offering and their competitive pricing. I mean, um, these themselves automatically, uh, pretty clear from compelling with government tenders, um, with, where a minimum triple B status level is imposed as a pre-qualification criteria. I mean, this is obviously come as a concern to many. Um, it's something that you've just ha- um, highlighted now in regards to the 8 to 20 and the 9 to 10. Um, I mean, but why do you think this should come as a concern? Um, then if you are working on building an exclusive economy for all, 
um, why should the issue of triple B um, inclusion or non-exclusion be um, a concern to many other? Well, I think the starting point is is the constitution. As much as the constitution prescribes that government, when when going out on, on, on procurement, must do so in terms of a process which is fair and transparent, equitable, cost-effective and competitive, it also says that notwithstanding that, Legislation must be enacted which permits of organs of state to employ preferential procurement practices. Mm-hmm. And obviously the intention with that in our very constitution is to ensure that the money which government spends doesn't only go to a small group of people who perhaps are already previously advantaged, but that specific preferences made for those who've not previously had a share of that business. And so if the legislation which was, which was enacted to give effect to that ideal the Preferential Procurement Policy Framework Act, isn't meeting that objective, then of course it, it is cause for concern because it means that this constitutional imperative is not being achieved and we're not realizing the, the, the wide distribution of state expenditure, which is so important. And I think it's important, it's made more important by the fact that in an economic downturn, the biggest spender in our economy is government. Statistics mm-hmm. show that year on year, government's spending roughly 500 billion on our, on, you know, on local procurement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what chance does a, an emerging enterprise have of, of making it if it's, if it's not given a fair shot at, at getting it, it, its hands on a, on a portion of that business? I think maybe let's go to, let's, let's cross over to the center of small business. Um, ask me, Pony. Ask me, Pony, what is your take on the triple PF and which areas do you think need more focus? Um, I think from my side, um, I'll just talk about what is happening and the kind of feedback that we get from yes. the, um, on the ground. Um, I mean, this is true, what, uh, you know, um, the gentleman is saying right now, that a lot of people are not, have not been able to access, you know, opportunities. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons given is that, you know, people lack experience or they don't perform. You know, in as much as there are issues around the, you know, the policy itself, so even those who are given opportunities, you know, have not been able to perform. But if you, you know, develop legislation, you know, that speaks to preferential uh, procurement and you want to redress, you know, past imbalances, then it means you need to do much more than, you know, just sit and tick boxes, you know, and say, do you meet criteria or not criteria? So you have to sit and, you know, put together funds that will enable you to support, you know, the entrepreneurs who deliver on the opportunities that they are given, you know, so that you don't, you know, and, and that needs like really on-site nurturing, you know, of the entrepreneurs, because we know that, you know, um, a lot of, um, Historically disadvantaged people don't have experience in running businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, simple things like just putting together an invoice is, 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 a, is a big issue. So if you are not going to assist somebody to, you know, to put together an invoice properly and just say your invoice is not correct or your quotation is not correct and I'm going, not going to assist you. So that is the reality on the ground that a lot of people are not able to access these opportunities because they have not probably filled in the tender document properly mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, the reason could be. So I think there is much more that needs to be done. If we need to drive, you know, the, the preferential procurement in its name, it says that it's preferential, so much more needs to be done. So much support needs to be done or offered, you know, for um, the entrepreneurs. And the second area that I want to highlight is, you know, a lot of times, you know, particularly relating to the uh, preferential procurement uh, po- uh, policy framework, 
is the other legislation, you know, that could be clashing with the good that, you know, the government is trying to, to do in as far as procurement, uh, preferential procurement is concerned. Like, for instance, if you look at um, local government, you know, you have um, the Municipal Finance, uh, um, you know, Act, you know, Finance Management Act, you know, and, and other levels you have uh, the PFMA, the um, um, what do you call it? The Public Finance, um, Public Finance Management, Management, Act. Management Act, yeah. So, you know, the, the, there are certain rules, you know, and regulations that govern these acts, which clashes, you know, entirely with the procure, preferential procurement. Because if you uh, have to apply, you know, uh, the PFMA or the MFMA, you know, um, you can't uh, prefer somebody. Basically, <laughs> you know, so there is a clash already, mm-hmm. you know, so there has to be, um, you know, a link between policies when policies are enacted, you know, we really have to look at, you know, enablers around them so that you are able to implement it fully, you know, um, and the third issue that I want to raise, you know, in as far as, you know, policy you know, it's around implementation. Mm-hmm. You know, on the ground, they could, we could be having policy, but the actual implementation is something else. You know, very few people have benefited, you know, from, you know, this legislation. So um, we, they might not, in a lot of cases, you find that the, the policies are not a problem, but the implementation, you know, is a problem. People interpret, you know, these things differently. You know, people are skilled differently to implement, you know, um, these policies. So um, we have good policies in, uh, you know, in, in, in our nation, you know, but we need to put in more in terms of implementation so that there is a spread of resources, you know, and the impact is felt, you know, at every level. So right now it's very few people and even those people will not even come up and say I benefited or anything like that because the number is very minimal. Mm. So now, I mean, you as, as a university, what, what, um, are you guys playing a role in helping uplift entrepreneurs, in helping inform entrepreneurs or even educate them so that they become aware of some of the challenges that you, you've alluded to? Yes, through the, the training programs that we have and mentorship. So we literally assist people to be able to access, you know, opportunities. But as I said, you know, sometimes, um, the SMEs in particular, um, those who are very naughty though, you know, they would not <laughs> deliver, you know, in as much as they support and yeah. all of these things that we're talking about, there are, you know, different levels of people faulting. Mm-hmm. You know, an SME may, 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 may fault and not deliver on the program. And, and it affects every other SME that is to come. That's you know, true. Later. There are those that are very not to and who will not, who will take the money and not deliver on the, you know, what they've been called to do, mm-hmm. you know, and the perceptions grow, you know, every day, negative perceptions that small businesses, you know, or previously disadvantaged people can't deliver. It's because of one person who just, you know, closed the door for every other person who's there. Hmm. Okay, and then, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking because, I mean, earlier on when you introduced the work that you guys do, you spoke about you spoke about mentorship and measurement mm-hmm. and measurable mentorship. I mean, in such instances where you would get people taking on work from your side that are being um, monitored by you guys. I mean, have you ever had such instances with any of the entrepreneurs that you guys deal with? And then, I mean, how did you guys combat that? Um, as I said, it 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 has it, it's nurturing 
more than anything. And so you, you need to be there all the way, you know, with the client. If you leave them halfway and you think that they, they will be able to, you know, um, to deliver on the work, um, it has proven, you know, not to be so. So once you train, you need you know, a minimum of at least two to three years to work with an SME to get to that level, especially those who are real startup. They don't have work experience. Um, our research has shown that a lot of people who have done well actually in businesses are those who have prior work experience. So what we have done in our programs is to introduce, you know, work placement so that the people get exposed, you know, to uh, business etiquette. Um, because that is the biggest issue really now that, you know, people could be having skills, but business etiquette is zero in a lot of these businesses. So the focus as you do mentorship is not only, you know, mentoring a person on, you know, the, the, the functions of the business, but you need to focus on the person. You know, um, how to dress, how to address people, how not to have a very long, I don't know what those things are called. When you call and the music is playing for a very long time, seven minutes before you can leave a message. So those are small business, you know, basic things, but they affect uh, business in the mm. long run. So as I say that you need, and it's a continuous process. If somebody defaults, you need to bring them and show them where they are defaulting or where they are faulted and correct it. So next time, this is what you need to do and give them time to grow, you know, and monitor that very closely mm. um, until they're able to deliver. But you have people who just, you know, will work with you, you know, from the outset, they're able to understand what you are, you are, you, 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 you are, you know, uh, mentoring them on and they're able to deliver on the goods. And I just want to give one example, you know, in Pumalanga, the project that we are doing, um, the, this gentleman is into air conditioning. So we, we even assisted him to get, you know, um, you know, proper approvals for him to be able to work in air conditioning, even within the, um, you know, the, the lodges, you know, in Pumalang. Mm -hmm. So through the training, through the support that we gave to him, he was able to get contracts. And I mean, he moved from just doing just less than 20,000 rand to about, um, you know, more than 150 per, per month. You know, right now in terms of opportunities coming from the lodges, you know, when he in December, he got about four contracts. So he was overwhelmed. <laughs> he just focused on one and forgot about all the other emails that came from the other. <laughs> you know, from, so what do you do with that person? So you go back to the, you know, to the opportunity provider and explain the situation to them, but also sit down with him. So if you cannot take this opportunity, just write back and say, please give me time. Or can I work on it at a later stage? But that is just how it is, you know, on the ground that, you know, you just need to talk and talk and do and until, you know, somebody is able to, you know, to understand what you're talking about. And also depends on the level of that person. A lot of people that we deal with don't even have metric, mm. you know. So by the time you, you know, tell them invoice, just invoice in itself is threatening to them. Yeah, I mean Andrew, um, 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 Ausmipun is talking about um some things that are very um important. I think that needs to be acknowledged and noted. But however, I mean, how effective is the implementation process though, um, of the triple uh, PFA? I mean, because as small uh, as small companies, for instance, they don't have experience to building big structures. Um, I mean, how would they learn? Then if ever they are not subcontracted to big companies, um, cause that's a big challenge that we have. Big companies don't want to give small businesses an opportunity. Mm. I think it's a good, a good question. And Mopane touches on very, very valid points. Mm. Um, the legislation which is in place does 
fairly regulate a tender process, which involves bidders being assessed on their functionality and thereafter on their price. And so certainly any small enterprise which is able properly to complete a bid document and which can demonstrate his ability on paper should be awarded the tender provided his price is good enough. I think where the shortcomings arise are to do with education because frequently we see competent bidders be excluded from the process because they fail to comply with a minimum mandatory requirement, which may be as simple as including a tax clearance certificate without which they can't be awarded a bid. And if that's not in, in order for there to be fairness to other bidders, that bid must be chucked out. Mm-hmm. It's not good enough to say, but it was a mistake. Once you, once you fail to meet one of those minimum criteria, you're gone. And then the same can happen on the back end whereby somebody who tenders well and is awarded a tender but who doesn't have the experience or the understanding on how to go and implement on that tender, if he does so poorly, our legislation requires that government must then effectively blacklist that business and place him on the tender defaulters register so that government doesn't make the mistake down the line of employing a particular guy to go and build a hospital only to figure out that the guy doesn't have the competency and they spend millions of rand to get nowhere. And so it's education at both ends, I think, both in terms of how to tender mm-hmm. competitively but also in terms of how to deliver once one is awarded a tender that would go a long way towards ensuring that, that small and emerging enterprises get a greater portion of the work. Mm. But now tell me, uh, is there is there is there somebody who's regulating um you know that the act is being implemented? Do we have an ombudsman or somebody that um could be responsible to say, let's say they're a big company and they're refusing to adhere to um certain processes that have been put out there. Um who do you report to those um default has to? Yeah, so so at the moment, tender defaulters must be reported to to Treasury for mm-hmm. for blacklisting. It's not in, just in any circumstance that they can be default uh, be blacklisted. It's only where there's been a fraudulent misrepresentation to do with their triple B double uh, E status, mm-hmm. or where they've defaulted on a contract. In recent times, government has set up the office of the chief procurement officer, which has general oversight over procurement practices in the country, and will function, it seems, as an ombudsman of sorts. Mm. Um, but there certainly is oversight from Treasury in, in the meantime. Mm. So, you know, let me give you a quick scenario. I've, I've been in a scenario where I was pitching to this big construction company. Um, they were so impressed, they invited me to pitch. You know the head of procurement when he walks out says, "Bruh, um, let me tell you, as good as you are, uh, we take your documents, and when we go to pitch to clients or go to pitch for tenders, we represent you as if um, you're one of the companies that we ought to give business mm-hmm. to as an SME with in the pretense of empowering you and anything of that side. We get the job, but guess what? You know it to be found, mm-hmm. um, or you are not there to be given the opportunity." And obviously, I wouldn't know about it because it's not like that big company will verify that am I doing that job or this and that. So in that instance, how do you handle that? Is the tender from from a company? It's from a company. Not from the state. Not from the state. See, so the difficulty there is that there's no legislation regulating the procurement process between a company, a private company, mm. and and bidders. Mm. That's purely a contractual relationship that Hmm. it's only with where government spends money and procures that it's regulated in terms of legislation Hmm. yeah i just want to you know to just point out something also with regards to what we are discussing now that um you know with uh with the current legislation we are not able to pin down 
you know, companies or government in terms of what they are actually doing. Because government could be going out and singing that, you know, procurement, pre- preferential procurement is not working. It's not even working within government. Mm. You know, that they are not really, you know, um, offering opportunities. And I also found out that it's because there are no indicators. You know, like, for instance, how much of business ought to go. So you can sit and say, um, you know, we have done well, but by what measure? You know, or we have not done well. By what measure? Because there is no measurement in terms of when we say this policy is successful is when this and this and this is in place or when so many people have accessed opportunities or when so much of this money has gone out. You know, so companies, government, nothing. Nothing is really happening even within government. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, um, Andrew, um, do you guys represent small businesses? We do. Mm-hmm. Are those are those the small businesses with deep enough pockets to pay you guys? Yeah, litigation is expensive, um, and I think that often can be a, a barrier to mm. to challenging to challenging tender awards for for small businesses. Um, the, the difficulty with it is that there's often no certain outcome. So even if you succeed in having the procurement award set aside because it was irregularly granted, there are no guarantees that that tender will then be granted. To you, the disgruntled bidder, hmm. nine times out of ten, the proper relief is for the court to send that tender back to the administrator to take the decision properly. And then it's fair game once again. And so there are very few businesses, even big businesses, that are prepared to spend big money challenging tender decisions if they're not guaranteed to be granted the tender at the end of the day. And so what we typically find is that it's only on the tenders which are big enough to fight over. And where the bidder is confident that if he sets aside the tender award, the tender is going to be granted to him, that, mm. that clients are prepared to challenge tender awards. And that makes sense. It's, it, it seems to me that it would often be inadvisable to a small business who sees that a tender was irregularly granted. But upon assessment of his bid, we see that he didn't qualify to be granted the tender. It would be inadvisable for him to then spend money challenging the the tender decision hmm. if yeah. he's got no chances of it coming to him in any event he's effectively throwing good money after bad and he may be better off just plowing that money into something which does carry a direct commercial benefit marketing hmm. business development etc yeah. so no definitely no guys uh, let me take this opportunity to thank you for for coming to the show um unfortunately we we're running out of time and where we really having um, good discussions, but I'm hoping that we'll, we should be able to bring you back next time and actually go much deeper um, into some of these discussions. So, Mipun, uh, for people that want to get hold of um, you know, what you guys do at the center, is there any website address, email, contact data? Um, yes, it's www.uj.ac.s um, forward slash CSPD. Oh, okay. Um, Andrew? You could reach me either via our website, www.adamsadams.com, or you can email me at andrew.molver, M-O-L-V-E-R, at adamsadams.com. At adamsandadams.com. So uh, we usually close off the show in style. Ten seconds, word of inspiration to somebody that's listening. Well, there's lots of money to be made, you know, and the money is sitting in this country, so I'll just tell everyone to take um note of that and just go out and get it definitely andrew government spending money so provided you figure out how to tender properly and you're cheap enough and you're good enough the future is yours mm.
get things done. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Like the guest has said, there is a lot of money out there. You just need to chase that money and definitely make it happen. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, this is all we had for you today, right here on 360 Biz. My name is Deborah Mafordi. Catch us again next time, same place, right here on Cliff Central. We out. Cliffcentral.com.